The running backs make a big statement at Monday's HBCU Combine, but they are not the only players who stood out. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today, Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make a Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because that mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to make every moment more. New customers. We'll get $150 back in bonus bets if you put down a winning $5 bet. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. We wrap up today's episode with a look at the SIAC men's basketball rankings, specifically in the East, because Clark Atlanta is now in full control of their own destiny. We kick off today's episode with a two-part look at the HBCU Combine. First off, We'll kick it off with a position group that made a big statement, and then we'll move on to some other standout players who aren't a part of that running back group. But the running backs make a statement at this HBCU Combine, and it's a statement of reflection and also a little bit looking forward. In 2022, now this is for my real everydayers who have been here for a long time. I love you if you came after that, but these are for some of the people who have been there since I really just started doing the show. I call 2022 the year of the running back because I felt like there was just so many very talented running backs that popped off in that season, right? You have Bashul Tootin, you had Sevian Wilkerson. Both of those gentlemen have now left to go to other programs. You had guys like Jarvion Howard. You had guys like Ladarius Owens. Um, um, I think that was the year. That was the year that I think Donovan Eaglin really popped out of Alabama A&M and Gary Quarles' season where he was injured and you had Eaglin come in. This was just a really good year for running backs. But you may ask yourself, we're going into the 2024 draft. Why am I speaking about the 2022 running backs? By the way, you also had Latrell Collier over there. Um, there's somebody else you had. I don't think the Howard running backs had just jumped off to my memory at that point. I could be wrong, but you had Latrell Collier for sure. There was just so many really good running backs that you saw throughout that 2022 season. And you may be asking yourself, why are we reflecting on two football seasons ago when we're looking into the 2024 NFL draft? That's because as good as those players were, they couldn't be reflected in last year's draft because they weren't seniors. They weren't coming out. These guys still went back to college and played again in the 2023 season. 
So now that year of the running back that I referenced two years ago at this point is now coming into fruition as draft eligible players or players going into the draft because a few of them were draft eligible. They just chose not to enter the draft that season. But I named a couple of them. One guy who did come out in that draft was Emmanuel Wilson from Fort Valley State. And he went to the Green Bay Packers and he even got carries in the playoffs. I think that I have a couple of players who could do that this year, this upcoming season, I should say. Players who could be contributors, whether that's on a, a playoff team, whether that's on a team that, uh, I don't know, just is in the, in the running in the regular season, right? I think that these guys will at least be on camp rosters and, ha and have the potential to be practice squad and active players. I have Jarvion Howard and have Ladarius Owens, two completely different types of backs. They're not the same type of running back. You have Howard, who is a big guy. He is a, but he's not, he's not huge. That's the thing about Howard is that he plays like a big back. He is a downhill one cut player who's very explosive. The size speed, it's a great combination. And he runs strong. When you look at him, he looks like a physical specimen. Like that looks like how you would create somebody, right? That's, that's Jarvion Howard. This is more of a bruiser type is what I think that people will look at him as in the NFL. Though he was reported to have caught the ball well and impressed some scouts with his ability to catch the ball. I don't think that's what you're going to be looking for him if I'm going based off of what he did in college and also based off of his style of running. It doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to come in and just be uh, a versatile running back through the air as well. That's what's very interesting to me because he has the ability. He has the, the big numbers. He's a two-time first-team all-swack player. This guy is talented, and he has the build that will attract you to say, I can make something out of that. The second guy is Ladarius Owens. And Owens didn't have a lot of catching experience in college either, but Owens is 5'9", 180. He better be able to catch the ball. He's going to need to be able to show that he can do that at this combine. He's going to need to be able to show he can do that through the week of practice and in the game. He's going to need to be able to do that as pro day in any private workouts at 5'9", 180. Even if he bulks up, he's not going to be a big back. And he has a lot of bursts. He's not a, I'm going to run through people, Jarvion Howard is a strong guy from what you see on the field and what you see on film. Ladarius Owens, I'm not calling him weak, but he's not going to be running over a bunch of people. He's not a bruiser in that capacity. So because of that, he needs to be able to catch the ball. He already has the benefit of being a, a running back who returns kicks. But if he can catch the ball, we know he can run. We know he can return. Now catching, that's how you get on to the field. That's a box that you need to check for a lot of HBCU players is the ability to play special teams. Owens had a good run. He ran really well. Um, I saw the unofficial at four, four, I think it's four, four, four. If I'm not mistaken, solid running box jump was solid. He showed explosiveness that you see on the field. This is one of the things that they commented about on the broadcast. I wanted to see that from him, and he was able to deliver. These are two running backs, and you still got Latrell Collier in there. You still got Darren Butts out of Hampton, right? Collier obviously is out of Central. But you have talent at this position, and I just named two. But I feel confident that you will see these guys, or uh, at least one or two of them, as a part of some sort of roster 
going into August, maybe even going throughout the rest of the year. This is a talented group. 2024 is the year of the Dragon. 2022 was the year of the running back. And the NFL draft may be highlighted by HBCU running backs this April. Now, as we push forward, we're going to leave that position alone. These were standouts. These are guys that I enjoyed what they did. But I have a couple of more standouts that aren't running backs. And I want to explore those guys as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. I know that you're counting down the days. The NBA is almost back from all-star break. I can't wait because this is when I really start to get into the NBA. What about you? Maybe you are late to betting on the game. You're like, man, the game already started. I, I didn't get a chance to, to put my money down. That's cool because they still have live betting. And that's the beautiful part is you can get in early. Maybe you got in early. Some things change. You want to put some money down on Zion Williamson in the, in the middle of the game. You want to put some money down on Lou Dort. I don't know. Just thought throw a random person out there. I don't want to throw Shea out there again. You have all of these options. You can do it at hockey. The MLB will be back soon. You can go on futures. You won't see your money immediately Immediately, if you go on futures. But you can bet on some things that will happen down the line and put your money down right now. I'm sure the NFL draft will be coming up soon. Everything is there. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And if you're new, you get $150 back in bonus bets if you put down a $5 winning bet. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure that you're checking out Locked on Sports Today. That is Locked on Sports Today. Go ahead and go there right now. Subscribe. It's the first of its kind 24-7 sports network on YouTube. So go ahead and subscribe. We've looked at the statement that the running backs have made in the 2024 HBCU Combine. This was a statement to me. I don't even know if I would consider all of those guys standouts. Jarvion Howard is somebody they couldn't stop talking about. He's undoubtedly a standout. But these are guys who made an impression, and it was really more of a reflection of what we saw a couple of years ago, in my opinion. But now let's look at the people who stood out at this year's combine. And the first person I want to look at is Davius Richard. In my opinion, he is the headliner of this class. Do I believe he's going to get drafted? I'm on the fence. Do I believe that if he is drafted, he'll be the highest uh, player drafted? No, I don't. It's not about that. It's about the fact that he is a star who played at the quarterback position, who has the potential to break that, that long. I think it's, man, I think it's like eight, nine years now since Tavares Jackson has been drafted. That was our last HBCU draftee at the quarterback position. He has that potential and he's the only one. He's the only one. He was a standout in this because he ran a 4-5. That's all I need to see. I saw the 4-5 unofficial. I said, yep, standout. Because that's almost all I really needed from him. I've watched the games. I've seen Davius Richard play. I don't need to see him throw the receivers he's never thrown to before. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. and It has value. But I didn't need to see that. I already know that he can throw the ball. They'll see that he can throw the ball. And me not needing to worry about that was... Less about not needing him to do it or to see it to me. It was the fact that I was confident that he would excel there. 
Then he had to get out there and run. And this was the thing that got me. Not that I wasn't confident about his running ability, but I wanted to see his long speed time show interest. Now, when you run a four or five, people are looking. When you're a dual threat quarterback, especially on the HBCU level, where people are already ready to discount you, you got to get the testing right. And he did with that four or five, followed it up with a really good broad jump and a good vertical. This is what he needed as a dual threat quarterback to test well so that people can say, all right, let's go ahead and check him out. Right. But maybe the most impressive thing he did didn't even show up in a number. The most impressive thing is something I wouldn't even have known if Steve White had been on the show. If Steve White didn't come on and say this, but Davius Richard made sure it was a priority to be extremely comfortable under center. Now we play in a game where honestly, I don't even like the whole under center part of the combine testing, because even in the NFL, a lot of guys do operate a lot from shotgun, but whatever they do it. And I know that some NFL teams do operate a lot from under center, but you see, I think the majority of NFL teams operate primarily out of shotgun. If I'm not mistaken, that's just from what I've seen. But he wanted to make sure that he wasn't just comfortable enough. I know players practice to get comfortable enough. He wanted to make sure that he was really comfortable as if this was something that he's always done. To me, that is a mindset and that is a mentality that would gravitate me towards him as a prospect. That is something that I would want to hear. The dedication level, not that it took a long time, not that it was some monumental thing. But it showed where your mind is at. It showed where your work ethic is at. And to me, that's very impressive and arguably the most impressive thing that happened at this entire HBCU combine. Now, the next person is John Huggins, who shout out to our guy, Gerald Huggins, who said that he was he had the best day because he was top three in everything. Um, that might be a little bit of favoritism. That might be a. Uh, uh, a last name thing. You know, I, let me see. I call him. See if you think so. Let me see. John Huggins, Gerald Huggins. They might fool around, be related, bro. Let me see. Uh, where is he at? See if he's on Do Not Disturb. He's not. Now, if he doesn't answer the phone, y'all know he don't really rock with me like that. But as we have it rolling, Gerald Huggins said that John, hey, you all with Darian Gray, host of Locked on HBCU. We the people the people want to know, man. When you tweeted out that John Huggins had the best day at the combine. Was this favoritism because his last name and y'all are secretly related? <laughs> so he's his cousin. I would hit. Hey, you still leave it? See? He's trying to find out if they're related, y'all. Uh, you still leaving on uh, Friday? Or are you going to be down there? Bro, I'm on the show, dog. I'm on the show. The people wanted to know you. They can't hear you, though. They can hear me. I'm relaying our conversation. I got you, bro. You're going to see it. I'm like 15 minutes in. Oh, you can chill. I'm just going to say what you're saying, but I can't let him just hear silence. So I'm going through. So basically, he said he had a phenomenal day. Um, what's it called? They might be cousins. They trying to figure it out right now, but no, he was top three and everything. Y'all, this is the guy I'm going to hit you after this. I'm almost like, I'm on my second segment. And then, we, then you can be, then you can be super chill. <laughs> All right, bro. 
hit my hit my uh my Joe Button impression. But yeah, this is Gerald, man. So he really rocked with me and he answered uh quickly. So we appreciate it. Um there you have it. John Huggins in a shirt and shorts competition. Let's center back here. In a shirts and shorts competition, which is essentially what every combine is. If you're top three in all of the testing or the majority of the testing, you won. And when I say top three, I, I don't know if he means position or in general, but either way, you're competing with the people in your position group first. If you're top three in 40, broad, uh, three cone, uh, the shuttle, vert, like if you're top three in five different things, you are a winner. You are a winner in this freaking combine, y'all. Like, this is what you have to do to get on the notice. Now people are looking at your film. People are looking at your stat sheet. Okay, well, he didn't have as many pass breakups. What's the transition? Players players have their stats and they have their film. And when you get to the latter part, the line, I think, starts to get blurred because the line goes from, all right, we want stat guys or we want potential guys because you can have certain traits on film that maybe didn't show up and whatnot. But at the end of the day, where we're probably looking at John Huggins either getting drafted or being a UDFA, he just needs to show enough to say, we can do something with that. We can do something with that. That's it. And now he's on the radar. Um, Marcus Riley looked really good. Um, I saw his gauntlet. I don't know what these guys look like without the helmet nine times out of ten. I was watching the gauntlet, and I said, I need to find out who wide receiver number three is. And it was Marcus Riley. It was a guy who I, I seen him catch passes earlier, but when he had his gauntlet, I said, I need to know who that is because it was extremely impressive by what he was able to do. It, for me, was the smoothest gauntlet. And the gauntlet, for those who don't know, um, you start off looking at a coach, you turn around, catch a ball, turn back around, catch a ball. Then you run down the line, and on alternating sides each time, somebody is throwing you a ball. It's supposed to test the concentration, how quickly you can focus. It's 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 one of those drills, right? And not everybody's good at it. It also tests your hands because you're running, boom, 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 boom. I thought he looked extremely smooth. This was amazing. I thought that that was the one that made me really catch his eye, but we knew he was great from what he's done in Bethune and what he's done at FAM. I'm not sure how many passes he caught during the, the uh, quarterback wide receiver drills from his quarterback, Jeremy Musa. I know he probably caught a couple of them, and that probably would benefit him. But he just looked good regardless, man. Like, that gauntlet really did it for me. And another wide receiver was Tamon Cook, who showed the ability to be a wide receiver. The North Carolina A&T kick returner is valued for his ability in special teams. He caught 11 passes this year. He caught, or he ran the ball seven times. He almost had, had as many rushes as he had catches. This, like, like, this is what we're talking about. This is a return specialist. But when you show the ability to catch passes, now your value goes up. You are already an All-American when it comes to uh, returning kicks. If you show you can catch the ball a little bit, this might be a guy I should have on my list of players who could get drafted simply because of his ability to return kicks. And then the last person I want to shout out as a standout is whoever, and this is real brief, whoever is teaching FAMU how to run the ball, or how to how to run, not run the ball, but how to run their 40s. Shout out to you, whoever. Because <laughs> this is ridiculous. I know I've given players to stand out every other time, but whoever is teaching them how to run their 40 form-wise and everything, and this might even go to recruiting, Kamari Young, the fastest tight end, 
Marcus Riley, the fastest wide, fastest wide receiver. Eric Smith, the fastest player overall and the fastest defensive back. You have three players who are the fastest at their position group and one who was the fastest of everybody at the event. Whoever is teaching these FAMU players the technique to run in the 40, they deserve a pay raise because they are one of, if not the biggest standout from this year's HBCU Combine. Now, as we push forward, we're done with football. We're looking at basketball. We're not looking at MEAC, SWAC. We're looking at the SIAC, and that's Clark Atlanta versus Morehouse. Who came out on top, and what is the ramifications, or what are the ramifications of that victory? Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And go to linkedin.com slash college if you are a small business owner. Businesses are just like teams. You need all of the right pieces in order to become a championship winner. You need all of those right pieces in order to become a profitable business. Having one wrong piece or having one piece missing can greatly jeopardize your earnings, can je greatly jeopardize, excuse me, your ability to run smoothly. Maybe you need somebody in the HR department. Maybe you need somebody in the finance department. Whatever it is, go to LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege because they have over 800 million people who are checking LinkedIn on a daily basis. This is a great avenue if you're a small business owner, and I would almost call it necessary. Get the right fit for your team because, like I said, you need to make sure you have the right fit. Get the right fit for your team faster and for free, and who doesn't? love free go to linkedin.com slash locked on college that is linkedin.com slash locked on college as we're wrapping up today's episode of locked on hbcu i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day making it all the way to segment three and i thank you two times for that thank you Thank you. Clark Atlanta is in a wait and see mode because they are nearly able to clinch the SIAC East. The Panthers are off until Saturday. They don't have a midweek game this week, so they're not playing today, Tuesday, Thursday. They're done with that. They're off until Saturday. And while they're waiting, they get to look at the rest of the conference, but specifically Benedict, because at the time you're hearing this, Benedict will have already played. So you can go ahead and look it up. You can see what the 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 um, final score was, if they won or they lost. But at the time I'm recording, man, the game really just started. You know, I try to record earlier. So I don't know what the outcome of that is. But we'll look at why that's not a huge deal as far as the conversation we're about to have anyway. But Clark Atlanta just knocked off Morehouse. They just completed the season sweep with the team across the street. This is a pivotal matchup going in. This is a pivotal victory for them coming out. I looked at this on Friday's episode. Briefly, it was a part of four games that I wanted to highlight going into the weekend. But you're looking at Clark. And you're looking at Morehouse. The winner of this game, no matter what happened anywhere else, the winner of Clark versus Morehouse was going to be on the top of the conference with only two games left on their conference schedule. Now, what this means is for Clark, at least, because I think it was. I don't know who would have been bigger for if they won, because you would have had the same one game lead on the rankings. But Clark has a two game lead because they swept them. So Morehouse can't just tie like that's not an option. Morehouse can't end with the same amount of losses as Clark. 
If that happens, Clark is going to have the number one seed. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the two teams who have been top dogs, right? And it's really been a three-team race. It's really been a three-team race. But now you have Clark who was sitting there at 15 and four, and they're at a point where they could clinch the, the conference or the division on Saturday. Um, when I say that the outcome of Benedict's game isn't overly important, that's because I believe no matter what, all Clark has to do is win one game. I know it goes conference record, but in this situation, we're looking at tiebreakers. So what's next? Head to head. You have Benedict on the schedule. You could just beat them and just have that happen. But in this situation where Benedict ties with Clark, that probably means that Benedict won that game. So maybe you tie head to head because now you split that matchup. The last thing is division, I believe. I believe the third step in that conference tiebreaker would be division i was i wasn't able to find the tiebreakers on the uh on the conference website it was difficult i i just couldn't find it and i i don't know if i was looking in the wrong places or what but i didn't see it they have the best division record they're 12 and 0 in the division nobody's going to get close to them so i believe that all clark has to do is win one game if benedict were to have lost last night which is you know i haven't recorded yet if benedict loses monday night in their game against who they're facing let me make sure Fort Valley State. If Benedict loses to Fort Valley State on Monday, all that would mean is Clark would now have a two-game lead or a one-game lead, but the tiebreaker on Morehouse, they would have a two-game lead on Benedict, and there would only be two games left in that in that season for them. In other words, if Clark wins Saturday, they definitely have clinched the conference. And I partially hate that Miles isn't a part of this conversation, and this could have been way easier. Like, literally, yeah, I guess you still would have to wait till Saturday. Now that I'm thinking about it. But no question marks or anything. If Clark would have just defeated Miles on Thursday, then we wouldn't even be looking at this maybe. We'd just say, all right, Benedict, or excuse me, Clark just needs to win their game Saturday and they're the SIAC divisional east east divisional champions but i hate that that miles isn't a part of this conversation because you have everybody else who was over there with four losses five losses and miles is sitting over there on the west with four losses and they are game away from clinching their division but we don't put them in this conversation because they don't matter in this they're going to be the number one seed in the west but no matter if they have the best record or the second best record they're going to be the number one seed in the west and clark whoever comes out the east will have that record and or, or or will be the number one team in the East. I hate that, though, because it feels as if Miles is so separated from all of the other top echelon teams in this conference. But Miles knocking off Clark, being the first team and the only team so far to beat them in the calendar year of 2024, in my opinion, it sets up a pretty interesting, um, it sets up a pretty interesting matchup in the conference finals. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Clark has been pretty good. Miles is the only team to have beaten them. We'll see. We'll see what they're able to do. But I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Just know that Benedict is, or excuse me, I keep on saying Benedict, but Clark is so close. They're one game away from clinching this conference. And if Morehouse beats Benedict on Saturday, then no matter what happens, Clark will be the winner. Um, running back. I, I didn't say that correctly. If Morehouse beats Benedict this upcoming Saturday, 
It doesn't matter what happened with Benedict yesterday on Monday, no matter what has happened, Morehouse would have one less loss. Benedict would have at least two less losses or two more losses. And Clark, if they win on Saturday, would then be the champion. So that's their road. Clark's road to a conference number one seed in the division is to win Saturday and let Morehouse beat Benedict. Nothing else would even matter with that scenario. And let's put a little bow on that. But I appreciate you now, and I've appreciated you then for making this your first listen of the day every day. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be back to look at Norfolk State versus North Carolina Central. Um, maybe a little bit of Texas Southern and recapping their three-game stretch that I've highlighted. My fingers are crossed that it's not a three-game losing streak, but let me uncross them as I tell you to take care, stay blessed, peace.